blood never loses its power. We look good here tonight, folks. This is this is a good crowd for a Wednesday night. Page 133. I'll sing when you leave. It's right there. <laughs> you got the flag. <laughs> Yeah. 
you know, it's bad when your wife makes you cry when you just wake up. You know, usually it's during the day when you haven't done what you're supposed to do. She wrote me a letter and it was basically telling me how thankful she was that we are a godly family and that we love one another and, and uh, we are, we're thankful. We're Indeed. thankful people. We should have a thankful heart. Thankful attitude. I like this song here that I know <laughs> that we can bless yeah. yeah, and we'll learn some of those too, Frank. I'm, I'm not scared to try but we'll, we'll wait to our choir practice. Page 644. <laughs> Thank you. 
But it's good to sing once again. <clears throat> to sing with you. Anybody have a special tonight? I, I failed to ask anyone if they had a song. Miss no, Miss G D do you have a song? Oh, okay. They're saying Sure, we can pick one. you one out. I'm <laughs> 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 I tried. I know you did good. <laughs> we did good here. Thank you for all of our church for singing, making it easy. Uh, Pastor, I guess you'll have to sing this one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all so much. We're paying to sing. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to rethink that now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Jeannie I and Hazel. I don't know. <laughs> I'll be talking. Two ladies lined up here. I don't know what you're saying. Good to see you tonight. All right. Uh, how about some prayer requests tonight? Anyone? Prayer requests? It's not confirmed yet, but they think Malachi had apraxia. And I said, say what? But basically his mind and his mouth don't coincide. That's why he can't talk. But once he's tested, there's a tablet that he can use and type on and it talks to him. And they were, Sarah and Chris were at the center the other day and they talked to him through a tablet for about, what, 30, 45 minutes, something like that. Wow. And had a conversation. He's the right thing. Wonderful. And that's just, it's a prayer answer. Yes. He may never talk, but he'll be able to communicate. Yes. And it's, he's able to, they said that he is, smart beyond his age and it'll, it'll cut down on a lot of his confusion a lot of his aggravation if he's able to communicate yes sir so, you have to pray for that it is praise yes. but still it's, it's it's a prayer too yes sir. because he's he is so smart he just doesn't know how to get it out right so that'll help him and help us understand what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so, y'all remember that. Absolutely. We love that little fellow. Remember the the ones who would receive the baskets for yes. Thanksgiving? I know we do these for Christmas too sometimes, but uh, people are so thankful to receive, and it just blesses my heart to see somebody receive one of them. Amen. Pray for the ones that the baskets go to. Yes, sir. That, that they could be on the other side too one day that they would be able to, to give. Amen. We sure you will. I sure want the church to pray for my mom. She's got some procedures coming up soon. They're pretty daunting. So All right. church people remember her. Yes, sir. It's always good to see you, my friend. I snuck in on the other <laughs> Anybody else? 
being very reminded we that it's kind of normal to say a skeletal rock fell on Monday, and we don't know if it's sitting on top of the brain, I mean, on top of the head, is caused from one of the soft spots not being closed, but he does have one inside of the brain, but we don't know what the cause on that one either, but pretty proud because we got CT scan, MRI, and the EEG all in the She's been battling cancer here and there, and we've got a spot on each lung that we've got to do a test on. Just pray again that it's not cancerous, but it's okay. Can you Yes, sir. All right. And just an update. Feel Langley. Okay. He's pretty bad shape. He's had prior from the Still sitting out there all day. Yeah. 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 Uh, just, just we'll follow up on that. We got a lot of sick in our church. Yeah. This is update on Miss Wanda. I took her to Rome today for one heart test, and uh, then she has another one Thanksgiving Eve. They're trying to rush this up so she can have the surgery. Of course, uh, it depends on what they find. <clears throat> There's an irregularity there. We don't know what it is, but uh, she may be able to handle the surgery, so we should sure. know within a week or so. All right. Remember Sunday school Sunday, Amen. and let's invite, invite, invite. <clears throat> it's exciting, isn't it? Sunday school, love it. In the morning service and all of it. Let's pack everything we can in this Sunday because this coming Wednesday night there's no service, of course. So let's really uh, ramp it up this Sunday morning and Sunday night and have a wonderful time together, all right? Look at Luke chapter 9. This is the last Bible study in this chapter. Luke chapter 9. We'll finish it up, verses 57 through 62. We'll talk about would-be disciples. You're going to find this very interesting in how Jesus handles these three different men who said, uh, we want to follow you. We'll follow you anywhere. Whatever you want, we're... We'll pay the price. We love you. We want to be your servants. It's interesting how he handled these three would-be disciples. If you stand, please, look at the verses together. Luke 9, 57. And it came to pass as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I'll follow you whithersoever you go. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Does that bring a tear to your eye? That really is sad. That wasn't exaggerated either. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I'll follow thee, but first let me go and bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's look at these three would-be disciples. Pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for the privilege of being here. I'm glad that you uh, touched me physically, enabled me to be strong and able to come. And you're so wonderful and I'm so grateful. I miss our folks so dearly, but I cannot be with them. And I'm thankful it does not happen very often. And so bless this occasion, all these prayer requests, uh, little Malachi and everything, and, and 
all the prayer requests. We do not want to leave any of them out. They're all vitally important. I'm glad you're our great high priest. You sit on your throne of grace and you feel and you know and you touch us and you help us and I'm grateful. Holy Spirit, share with us wonderful words of life this evening. And dear Lord, I'll praise you for all you do, for asking in your name and with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you, be seated. When Jesus called men to follow him, it was on a permanent basis. It was a lifetime commitment. He wasn't interested in anything less than that. But these three men that are in our text, our Lord put barriers up in front of them that made it difficult for them to make a decision to follow him. And that was deliberate on purpose because it was exposing their lack of saving faith. It was just superficial. You know a lot of people, and so do I, who started out big guns, you know, they were gonna do this for the Lord and that for the Lord, and they were in church for several months, and, and then after a while the FBI couldn't find them with a search warrant, they're gone. What happened? We don't like to think that they were not truly saved because that's frightening. But according to this passage and the way our Lord dealt with these three would-be disciples, these men had superficial faith, not saving faith. They were not real believers. They just got all caught up in the moment and then they fell by the wayside when Jesus said, wait a minute, let me tell you what it's going to cost you to follow me. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in our country today and no one wants our country to experience revival more than I do. But there's a lot of things going on about so-called revival meetings and so many hundreds being saved here and there, here and there. And But I'm wondering, I'm wondering, Doug, if a lot of that, they're not converted to an atmosphere. And they get all caught up in the meeting and, and people are expecting them to come forward and they want to come forward to satisfy the atmosphere because everybody's been thinking about it and wanting it to happen. But that's not what this is all about. Our Lord was not dealing with them on their emotions. And everything in the Gospels, our Lord never approached anybody and touched them emotionally and tried to get them all worked up and then make a decision to follow him. It was strictly by faith and repenting of sin and trusting him as their personal savior. Now, is getting saved emotional? Of course it is. It's the most wonderful feeling in the world. But our Lord does not approach people that way, playing on their emotions trying to get them to make some kind of decision. He deals with them about truth. Truth. Truth about himself. Truth about their sin. Truth about him being the Savior. And so he deals with You're going to find this interesting. Follow along with me and let's enjoy this night. First of all, the desire for personal comfort. This is the first fellow, and he's mentioned in verses 57 and 58. Now, Matthew identifies this man as a scribe, according to chapter eight and verse 19 of Matthew. And he was a teacher of the law. That makes this interesting, Kevin, because most scribes were hostile toward the Lord Jesus. They did not believe he was the Messiah. But here's a fellow who evidently is attracted to the Savior, at least superficially. He sees some things about him. He's been watching him, listening to him. And he says, you know, I'd like to sign up. I'd like to get on board with all this. And he said this, in the last part of uh, verse 57, 
I'll follow you anywhere. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I'm yours. And so Jesus comes back to identify that as just something superficial, not heartfelt, not something that involved repentance and faith in him that would re relate and result in a lifetime commitment. And when, when you meet the Savior, you're never the same again. Amen. My goodness, religion is everywhere. And all of a sudden, everybody's saved. Everybody knows God, but they're cussing and spitting one word and talking about the Lord the next. There's something wrong with that. Amen. Uh, they're holding a cocktail in one hand and going to church the next day. Something's wrong with that. But anyway, it's salvation is a transformation of life. You're never the same again. You're not perfect, but you are a different person. Nobody runs head on into God and walks away the same. That's absolutely impossible. Now here's what Jesus comes back with when this fellow says in the last part of verse 57, I'll follow you anywhere. Jesus said, all right, think about this. The foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. This is a fellow who wanted personal comfort while he was serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He was interested in his own personal well-being and his own comfort. Now, when Jesus said that, the foxes have holes, the birds there have nests, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head, that was not exaggerated. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus was basically a homeless man. Does that bother you? The creator of all things coming down here and being treated in such a fashion, he was basically homeless. He was run out of one place after another. He was not exaggerating when he said, I don't have a place to call home. He was denied lodging in a Samaritan village according to Luke 9, 52 and 53. I mean, they said, we don't want you here. Leave. We don't have a room for you. And Gadara, after he healed those two maniacs, there were two of them. After he healed those two maniacs, Gadara and other people saying, praise God, look at this miracle. I mean, these guys, we had to put chains on them and then they broke the chains and lived out in the cemeteries at night. Now listen, that's a little unusual if you live in the cemetery, am I right? I don't even like to go to a cemetery in the daytime, but you'll never catch me at one at night. Never. But these two fellows, lived in the tombs. Jesus healed them, gave them back their right mind, and instead of everybody praising God, they said, we don't want you around here. Get out of Gadara. And that's not nearly all of it. Nazareth, his hometown, they didn't want him there. His own hometown, we don't want you here. When Jesus said, I don't have a place to lay my head, it was not an exaggeration. Now think about this. The animals he created had more comfort than he did. That's the way our Lord was treated while he was here. You say, well, if he came back the second time, it'd be, it'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? It'd be great. No, it'd treat him just as well, if not worse. Religion is very hateful. Amen. And it is not Christ-like at all. Our Lord would not be welcome. <clears throat> I see these signs on billboards. Jesus is the Lord of our city. No, he's not. They don't want him. But one day he'll be Lord of all cities, everywhere, whether they want him or not. I love that. I'm looking forward to that. Greg, I'm looking forward to that. 
By the way, do you see Greg Levin Jack and I like it? I'm, I'm, I'm envious of that. Is that that's a sin? I love it, Jack. You say, what does that got to do with the message? Not a thing in the world. <laughs> There's a second thing, can I know what it is? Amen. Amen. Not only this would-be disciple who said, I'll follow you wherever you go, and he was a scribe. He wanted comfort in life. He didn't want to give up any of his uh, easy living. And Jesus is not out to get what you've got and make it hard on you. It's not that. This was a test. This was just a reveal. This fellow was superficial. He didn't have saving faith. The second one is a desire for personal riches in verses 59 and 60. Now this other fellow overheard that conversation between Jesus and the tribe and Jesus turned to him and said, follow me. And here's what the fellow said in verse 59. He said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. That's the son's duty, especially in Jewish culture, to bury his father when he dies. The problem here, the father was not dead. There's no record that he was even sick. What this guy was actually saying was, if you'll give me a little time and when my father does die, I'll receive my inheritance and then I'll be able to follow you and I can have all of my needs met. You see how interesting this is? And so Jesus is putting these things up in front of these men to show that they're superficial in their faith and it's not really saving faith. And so... Uh, Here's what Jesus said. He said in verse 60, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But this fellow, he said, I'll follow you, but I want to make sure I can afford it. You know, I want to make sure I have enough finances. There's usually three things that will take a fellow out of the ministry following the Lord. It's fame, finances, or females. One of those three things. With this one, it was finances. He said, uh, you know, I want to know what kind of retirement plan you've got. You got the 401k? Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to step out on this by faith and, and follow you until I know what's in it for me. Again, the Lord's not against people having money. A lot of people in the Bible were wealthy people. But they didn't put that ahead of God. Right. They loved the Lord before they loved their finances. But when Jesus said, let the dead bear the dead, he was not suggesting in any way, this is very important, he was not suggesting in any way that you neglect your family. You won't find that in the New Testament. You won't find that anywhere where you ever are to neglect your family. Uh, some people... You know, trying to be ultra spiritual, they say, well, my family will have to understand I'm called to serve the Lord. Will you keep an eye on that? That'll probably end up in divorce. Or they'll lose their kids. And they'll sour up on church. Jesus did not mean that you neglect your family. He was simply saying this. You need to get your priorities right. And it's not either or. It's both. It's your family and your finances. It's your family and taking care of them. But it's not either or, it's both. But one has priority over the other. Amen. They're the same in essence. 
your faith in the Lord and your family, they blend. You don't decide between those two. Family was originated by God. Am I right? Yeah. You don't choose between him and the family. That's ridiculous. But you have a priority there and spiritual things, but never, never at the cost of your family. Uh, you know, like the husband and wife, they're the same in essence, but different in function. The husband leads, the wife follows. Does that make the wife inferior? No, the wife's just as important as the husband. Say amen, ladies. Amen. There you go. That's your turn. <laughs> same in essence, different in function. The husband leads, the wife follows, but they're the same in essence. He's not a boss or a lord. Right. He doesn't deserve a wife if he feels that way. That's right. But that's not it at all. One wife said, well, he may be the head, but I'm the neck to turn the head. <laughs> you don't ever say that, do you? No. <laughs> but Jesus said, your priority is to share the gospel. Then the, the third one kind of bleeds over, blends over into this next one, but it has a desire about personal relationships. This fellow wants to kind of stay around the house, or so he says, in verse 61, and another, he, he said, Lord, I follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plan, looking back is fit with the kingdom of God. Unlike the previous mentioned fellow who was not willing to part with riches or family in that sense, this fellow was willing to part with riches, but not with family. But it was in the wrong sense. It was out of priority. It was not that this fellow, oh, I love my family so much, dear Lord, you'll have to understand. It was it had his priorities all out of place. You can't love your family too much, right? You go ahead and love them with all your heart. You can't love them too much. That's ridiculous. But it's a matter of priority. Your wonderful Lord is the master and ruler of your life. And that enhances the family relationship. A husband can be a better husband when he loves the Lord with all of his heart, right? Yes. A wife can be a better wife when she loves the Lord with all of her heart. It doesn't take away, it enhances the relationship. So there's nothing in your New Testament or anywhere that says, you know, you gotta choose between God and your family. I preached a revival meeting years ago for a fellow in Florida. And he wanted to go out and eat one day. I could tell he was trouble. Well, eat. And he said, Brother Ron, I want to say something to you in confidence, and I'd never let you know who it is. Never break confidence. But he said, I lost my children on the altar of the ministry. He said, I put the ministry ahead of my family. I said, Boys, you'll just have to understand I'm serving the Lord, I'm a preacher. I've got to go with this, I've got to do that. I don't have time to spend with you today. I've got to go out and knock on doors. I've got to go out and do this and that. And he said, I was taught that in the college that I went to. You just, the family would have to understand. And tears were in his eyes. He said, I lost my children because of that. He said, now they hate church. They won't go. That's terrible, isn't it? That's terrible. There's nothing in here that Jesus is saying that even slightly hints you neglect your family to serve him. 
And at the same time, the more you love your family, it doesn't get in the way of serving him. It just enhance, they both go together and enhance and blend. So I'm glad somebody taught me that before I made some stupid mistakes and I would have made them because coming up, I was, you know, I was listening to this and that one, trying to figure out what to do and what it was all about. I'm glad an old fashioned country preacher got a hold of me before some uh, Dr. Fudge face at a cemetery, I mean seminary, got a hold of me and said, listen boy, you need to forget your family and get out there and serve God and win souls and do the job. That's crazy. You gotta, you're supposed to do all that and you want to do all that. And I've enjoyed doing that and continue to do that. Uh, witnessing, working, serving the dear Lord, but not at the expense of the family. It's not a either or. It's just priority. But that dear man sat there in that restaurant with tears in his eyes and said, I lost my boys because of the ministry. It wasn't the ministry, it was his warped view of the ministry is what did it. But Jesus knew about this third fellow. He knew if he went back to his house and he got kind of settled in to home, he never would come back over there and say, okay, I'm ready to go now. Let's serve the Lord. He would not have done that. You know why? Because it was a superficial faith. It was based on emotion, not repentance of sin and trusting Christ by faith. Listen, you know what salvation is? It is the turning of, from sin to the Savior. It is repenting of your sin, trusting Christ by faith, and both those gifts are from the Holy Spirit, repentance and faith. You can't even do that without Him enabling you to supernaturally. But it is a supernatural experience. Amen. But it comes from an enlightenment of the mind about biblical truth, about what the Bible says about you and your sin about Jesus as your Savior. Your mind has to be enlightened by that. You have to understand those truths before you can be saved. Is it emotional? Oh, yes, it's emotional. But it's not based on that. It involves that. But first and foremost, it's based on you understanding truth about you being a sinner and Him being Savior. Right? Not a lot of that going on in some of these so-called revivals. It's all about, God, I mean, God's all over that house. I mean, I just felt goosebumps, and I'm telling you, and people came down the aisles. Listen, if they were enlightened to the fact they're a sinner, more power to them. But if they got caught up in the atmosphere and came down because of that, they went back the same way they went down. You've got to understand you're a sinner and you need Christ as your Savior. And the only one who can open your mind and heart and eyes to that is the Holy Spirit of God. You remember when you realized you were a sinner? Worst feeling in the world, right? Being convicted. I felt so ashamed and so afraid. I was afraid I was going to drop off into hell before Jesus would ever save me. And I ran to him out of desperation. I said, God be merciful to me, a sinner, in so many words. And listen to me. I saw that. I was enlightened to that from the Bible. And that's called biblical salvation. Amen. That's the kind that lasts. You know how you can really tell if revival meetings are true blue? Watch the converts. 
Back in the 1800s, when George Whitfield and others were preaching revival meetings, they could go back 10 years later to the same place and those people would still be there. That's real conversion, right? This stuff about, man, they, I believe they got in. Well, where are they? You know, Jesus was looking for total commitment. And I'm glad, I'm so glad he enlightened my little ignorant mind. I didn't know anything, still don't know a lot, but he enlightened my little ignorant mind as a 14-year-old boy, and I saw myself as a sinner, and I cried out for mercy, and he saved me, Amen. and he has kept me by his mighty power all these years. It's just wonderful. I can't even, I can't even take credit for being faithful. The apostle Paul said, I, I've been faithful because I obtained mercy. So I can't even take credit for being faithful. He's the one who's kept me faithful, but he's inside me and it was a real conversion. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. And I hope you've had a real conversion as well. Now here's what Jesus said this fellow will be through. He said, no man having put his hand in the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Here's what he was saying. You're double-minded. You, you, you don't have a single mind toward me. And you know, those of you who've been out in the field, you can't look back and furrow a straight line. You can't do it. You can't plow a straight furrow if you're looking backwards. And that's what Jesus said. You're looking back and you're wanting to go forward with me, but you can't do that. And so James talks about, in James 1, 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We need to have a single mind in relation to our Savior, don't we? He's all there is. And that enhances human relationships. Doesn't take away from them at all. And so these who said, we're willing to follow you, superficial, Jesus put up these barriers, not to make it difficult, but to make them realize they did not have real saving faith. And so here it is about these would-be disciples. We've got a couple that wants to join our church tonight, so we'll ask our musicians to come, if you will, and we'll ask you to stand. And if you'd like to come for prayer, you can pray for a friend, uh, anything you need to do. Miss Hazel, would you come down here and help me please and get the names when they come? And uh, we'll take care of that and maybe pass those on to Jeannie. Or Jeannie can come if you want, it doesn't matter. Or both of you can come, I don't care. Whatever you want to do. And uh, we're going to sing here in a moment. And if you want to come for prayer, my mind, so many prayer requests, your prayer requests, and that about Malachi and the others and uh, praying for Bill. Oh, oh my, all this. So what are we going to sing, Roger?
Sunday morning for Sunday school. God bless you. 